you're listening to The Insecurity Project, solving the insecurity problem at a global level. This podcast is a mixture of interviews, coaching sessions, and personal development content. You'll hear me chat with experts, authors, speakers, and individuals who've gone on to do great things in their life as a result of working through their insecurity. You'll hear brave souls being willing to have a live coaching demonstration recorded where they work through their insecurity. And you'll hear 10 Minute Tuesday, which is a chance for me to deliver high quality personal development content to help you on your journey. I hope you find it useful. Now on to today's show. Hey, it's Jamin. You're on the Insecurity Project. I've got the pleasure of coaching Tanya today. Uh, it's always great when someone's willing to be vulnerable enough to have their coaching conversation recorded for others to listen into and benefit from the process of change. So thanks, Tanya, for being willing to have the conversation today. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jamin. Happy to be here. Uh, so you're a coach, so you understand this space really well. Uh, so no real need to frame the space. You obviously know uh, how this works and the usefulness of the judgment-free outcome-focused frame to make sure we've got maximum leverage for change. So why don't we just dive straight in and, and tell me how I could be useful to you? So my problem when it comes to insecurity is that I've got a massive toolbox of techniques and tools that I can help my clients with. And yeah. uh, I, when it comes to the actual, you know, sort of mindset around it or even coaching the actual clients, I go into this loop of do I actually know which one to use and then I feel like I need more information, more knowledge. So I just keep doing more courses and hiring more of my own coaches and it's just like this constant feeling of, well, you know, I don't have this script or framework that I can apply and then I, you know, so in the end, I'm just, I'm becoming this almost like, you know, jack of all trades, master of none type of thing where I've got all these tools and it actually yeah, comes sure. the insecurity because I I actually have enough tools. I, I actually do have the knowledge and experience, but it's, it's that self-belief part, that insecurity part that's, that's tripping me up every time when I want to apply these tools and knowledge that I have. Yeah, for sure. So really interesting that you're clear on what the problem is and you're clear on what's causing the problem. And what have you done in terms of trying to change that belief already that maybe hasn't worked for you? I've tried journaling about it. I've tried asking myself some questions about where does this come from. I've delved yeah. into the past trying to figure out, you know, what is this deeper belief I've even tried to say, you know, like, how is this serving me? And I'm, I don't know, I, I keep coming up against a wall or a block. I, you know, it's, that's the part that I don't have clarity about is, you know, why can't I get around this? Why does this, even if I have successful client sessions, I still feel insecure. But, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit, like, confused. Where's this coming from? Yeah, sure. Okay. Um, so I'm not sure whether you've seen my work around the insecurity framework. So uh, it used, I used to say nine essential stages. Now I've condensed it to seven, just just because seven sounds cooler than nine, um, and have condensed two of the nine stages together. So just to make it uh, more palatable for people and sounding like it's less hard work. Have you come across those seven or nine stages? I have. I, I can't recall them off the top of my head, but I've definitely looked at them when you've uh, published them. 
Great. Well, uh, I think in terms of the usefulness of dealing with the limiting belief, I'm, I'm convinced that uh, to not change a belief, it, it can only be falling down in one of those seven areas. So would it be useful if we just quickly go through those seven, help you get clear on each of those stages and perhaps look at where there might be a gap in your application or maybe your understanding or your readiness to engage in one or all of those seven. Is that, would that be useful? Yes, yes, please. Okay, fantastic. So uh, first one is step into the light, stage one. Um, and that's the basic idea that you can't uh, deal with something that you're pretending isn't even there. So obviously the fact that you're having this call means you are doing exactly that right now, going, okay, it's a big deal to go, as a coach, actually I've got some stuff going on for me as well. Uh, that, that shouldn't be the case. I should be able to solve this myself, but here's the thing, I haven't been able to solve this. So here I am in a point of need, in a point of vulnerability going, whether I should be here or I shouldn't be here, I'm here. And there's some insecurity. So um, that, that's a big deal, but I acknowledge you because that's essential. There is no change work apart from that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what's happening here. That That is a you know, really great application for stage one. Would you agree? Yes, I do. Uh, so stage two is 100% responsibility. And it, it, I mean, this is, uh, it's brutal, I think, taking responsibility for your life and your results. And that's why most people don't do it because most people are living in the blame and excuse space to somewhat, in some way, shape or form. And when they start becoming aware of how insecurity is impacting them, um, their understanding of how or why that's true often goes back to blame or excuse in some way, even subconsciously. Uh, yeah, so the, the, the common feeling is that I, I am insecure because of what has been said to me or done to me and the experience that I've had in my life have compounded that and proved to me that it's true and that's why I feel you know, good about myself because I've got evidence that when I've brought my best uh, the world has given me feedback that it's not enough or, or whatever. So it's kind of this victim to this thing that's outside of you and not your doing, whereas the responsibility stage in the process says, well, um, yes, yeah, so subconscious is asking and answering two questions all the time. I don't, do you remember those two questions? Have you heard me talk about the two questions the subconscious is asking before? If I remember it correctly, it's, it's basically sort of where is it coming from and then how is it serving me? They're definitely asking those questions, uh, but every every single interaction that we have, every single experience, because we're sense-making creatures, like the way that the human being operates, is that we go into the world and we have to make sense of what is happening. You know, out through our five senses, we interact with external things and we filter them and then we internalize them and process them and make sense of them. So the subconscious question around those specifically is uh, why did this happen and what does it mean about me? Okay. So, so that's really important to understand with this responsibility piece because that turns out that that plays a big part in the responsibility stage for solving insecurity because it, it turns out that and you know we're not insecure because when we were young our parents got divorced or we're not insecure because we got bullied at school, or we're not insecure because 
there was abuse. We're not insecure because X, Y, and Z. We're insecure because when those things happened, we decided it meant that we were no good. So the responsibility stage goes, right, um, I created this monster. I was the one. It was my opinion that started this, not anyone else's opinion. And and people want to rail against the responsibility. Piece. Go, no, 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 I would have been fine if I had have got more love from my parents, if I had have had more support from my teacher, if I hadn't been abused, then I would have been fine. Yet that falls down when you watch two people go through the same experience and one comes out with an insecurity and the other one doesn't. You know, so you see people growing up in the same family and they had the same experience with their parents but they have a different story about what it means and what it means about them. Does that make sense? It does, yes. So the responsibility piece is, is hard. People are typically outsourcing responsibility to others. They want others to make them feel better. They want God to heal them. They want friends and family to support them. They want things that have happened in the past to have not happened. And so they're all the way giving giving power away to how they feel. And, and even in the responsibility around the emotional state, because often people tell stories like, oh, this is just how I feel. Like, I can't, I didn't choose to feel like this. This is not how I want to be feeling. It's just how I feel. It's like I have no control even over my own feelings. And it is possible, obviously, to get in an emotional state where you're almost paralysed by that feeling. But and and it may maybe that you've got no choice in that point. But in fact, you've had choice all the way up to there. You know, so in order to be feeling anxious, anxiety needs a backstory to survive. So you, you're telling yourself some story around inadequacy. If if you're believing that you're totally capable to handle the situation, well, it makes no sense to be anxious. You know, so any emotion has to have some kind of thinking attached to it, some kind of um, focal point attached to it. Otherwise, you couldn't experience that emotion. So all that to say, the, the second stage is just firmly empowering the person as the one who is creating their current results, which is tough to hear, but so, so empowering and so important because if you created your current results, um, what's the upside of that painful truth? Is that you actually can change it again. Exactly. You don't have to wait for anybody. This is all you. It was your opinion of yourself that created this in the first place, so you can change your own opinion because that's what an opinion is. Mm-hmm. So that's stage two. Um, stage three is to stack the pain. Uh, so... It's to not pretend this doesn't suck. It's not to pretend that you're doing okay and insecurity isn't costing you. It's just to really dive into that and, and really feel all the costs because pain is a very important part of all change. If you don't feel pain, there's no motivation to take any action. So pain is really important. So rather than avoiding it or telling yourself it's okay or putting a positive spin on it or telling yourself, oh, I'm getting there, you know, to stop and go, actually, I'm getting nowhere. This is paralyzing me. This is terrible. This is ruining my career, my relationships, my health, uh, and it's driving me crazy. So there's a lot of pain. Um, does that make sense? It does, yeah. Now, um, 
Anthony Robbins talks about the pressure cooker change strategy, which is basically only using pain as a motivator. So it's often how people lose weight. They'll, you know, they'll let themselves go. They'll eat emotionally. They'll, you know, be lazy and undisciplined or whatever's going on. And then they'll catch themselves in the mirror one day and just be horrified. How, you know, how did I get here? This is disgusting. And they'll be so filled with self-loathing and there'll be so much pain around the way they look that that pain will force them into some massive action. And they'll, right, that's it. You know, buy a pair of running shoes, getting a gym membership, signing up to an accountability partner. If things are changing around here, clearing out chocolate out of the fridge, whatever. You know, so with that massive pain comes massive action. But then six weeks down the track, you know, people are noticing change. Their skin's looking healthier. They've lost some weight. They've got more energy, getting great feedback from people. And it's all going great. But it's meaning the pain is dying down, and along with it, all motivation to change because it's just an a pain, it's just a pain avoidance strategy. Um, so they kind of go off the boil to use Dancer Robbins' analogy. So stage four is you've got to have a compelling vision. So it's not just a moving away from strategy; there's also a moving towards strategy. What do you want? What? How would you like your life to be? What's crucial for you to achieve? What's happiness and success? And to really dive into that daily as a point of focus and, and become non-negotiable about how desperately important it is for you to live the life that you desire. Um, you know, Stephen Carvey says, begin with the end in mind, every successful person has this picture of what success is and then they don't lose sight of it and they create it and they draw themselves into that and it's the leverage piece for doing the hard work because if you don't have a reason why you need to deal with this. It's just too hard and too painful and you can just avoid it and get left with the, the the bits you don't know or understand or can't change. But if you have to change it, well, you know, you just find a way. Um, that makes sense, stage four. It does and it's, it's actually quite interesting because I, I identified that pattern in myself where I would push myself um, to the limit, put myself under such extreme pressure to make things work um, and I'd literally like overcommit to things just so that I'd have that pain as a driver and I've, I've actually been asking my question huh. how do I get the positive reinforcement because the moment I fix the pain the driver goes away so how do I yeah yeah exactly strong enough, a strong enough vision that you know because I've done this before I've created a vision but it, it doesn't seem to be as strong a driver as as that pain factor. So it's really about how do I how do I create a great vision so that that drives me as much. Excellent. And that's that's a real key point. And so these seven stages aren't complicated but they're not easy because the what do you want piece and this vision piece, it is the hardest question we get to be faced with as human beings. What do you want? because um, the moment you set a bar, then you open up the potential for failure and disappointment and rejection. You maybe even create conflict with other people in your world who have an agenda or have competing interests. Um, you've got to go do some stuff about it. So, you know, there's sacrifices we made. There's a whole bunch of costs associated with this thing, which I'm, you know, I'm sure you hear me talk about all the time. So that's why we avoid it. Um, but it is the most life-giving question at the same time. So it's, it's, it's inside each of us to desire as human. It's always there. We just have switched it off to protect ourselves from not getting hurt or not failing. Um, so, yeah, but it is an essential part of this process to give yourself permission to ask that question again. What would excite me? What's life-giving? What is success? 
what do I think I'm capable of? What's me and my best day? How how do I want to be remembered when this is all said and done? Um, cool. So you've obviously identified there's work to be done there. Uh, the fifth stage is get help from someone who doesn't care about you, which is part of what you're doing right now in, in this coaching call. Uh, any idea around the distinction about uh, why you need to involve someone else in the process of dealing with insecurity? Well, you know, like from my experience as a coach and obviously my personal experience is that when you are so stuck in the situation, you can't really look at the situation objectively. You can't really identify <laughs> yeah. you need yeah, exactly. the soundboard or to mirror that back to you so that you can see where, where things are coming off the rails. Yeah, exactly. That, the objectivity is the crucial piece because fear becomes so evidence-based and so real and so concrete uh, and you get so ingrained in that story, it is impossible to see outside of it. So the objective, having a, the objective voice, it, it doesn't have an agenda other than to serve you. So the coach is not trying to fix you or tell you what to do, just helping you get what you want by holding you in this process and helping you see some stuff you couldn't see before. Uh, because, I mean, that's the thing with insecurity. Everyone else looks at you and goes, oh, yeah, you're enough, you're fine. Like, it's only in your eyes that you're not enough. Mm. Uh, so... But while you're stuck in your own eyes and your own story, you can't see any alternative. So, so that's a crucial part of stage five, just allowing someone into your world to hold you in this framework and to give you the objectivity so you can see some stuff that you wouldn't have been able to see alone. Stage six is to go be the hero. So, you know, there's, there's only so much talking uh, and thinking you can do. Eventually, there's going to need to be some action. And specifically, it's around, okay, where did this start? And am I actually going to go work out whether I am enough or not? You know, it's this fear, I'm not enough, and we just run away from it or hide from it. So we never come face-to-face with it or jam so much in our life that kind of dulls that or helps us dance around that. But at some point, if you're going to deal with, if you're going to overcome insecurity, you've got to go face that fear. And, and um, a moment of courage just to go into the depths of it, look it in the eye. Uh, and Joseph Campbell, Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey is a great metaphor for the personal development piece around uh, going and doing that work. So I think there's, there's a few key things around being the hero, but it's, again, responsibility. It's, again, realising you created it, so you're the one who can change it. And it's, it's doing that work. It's getting back to where this began, as a responsible adult, realising you created a story of insecurity when you were a lot younger and a lot more immature and had a lot less resources. So now you're going to go back with a whole bunch more resources and you're going to re-examine that same situation and come out with a different outcome. Mm-hmm. Does that stage make sense? It does, yeah. And I know that, um, you know, I, I sometimes overdo it. I, I try and find more action to do and I've taken like a bunch of action but it's actually yeah. find the right action to take and not just any action for mm. the sake of taking actions. Yeah, that's right. And I think that's why these all these seven flow together because it, without uh, you know the awareness and the acceptance and positioning yourself as a storyteller and being clear about what you want and taking the pain, the hero kind of could be doing a whole bunch of other work. But that helps really focus the hero on keeping the main thing the main thing. 
Uh, and then the final stage is to do the work of rewriting. So Stephen Covey says everything is created twice. So, you know, you are currently experiencing the fruit of what you have already created for yourself. And if you want to create different results in the real world, you have to go create them first in the unseen world. And so based on the, the awareness that you are the storyteller in stage two now is the process of actually writing that story, creating it, telling it. And and the cool thing around this whole story piece is it's all story. So it's not like you even have to go find out who you really are. Uh, the question is, who do you want to be? Uh, and go write that story, go write that script, go be that person to give yourself permission. Write beautiful, expansive, creative, compelling stories for yourself to live out of. And, and I think that's successful people, uh, successful just because they tell better stories about themselves and the world than others do. So key distinction about that final stage is the idea of living your life in the order of story, state, strategy rather than strategy, state, story. You heard me bang on about that distinction before. Mm-hmm, yes. And yeah, important one to realise, but it's so key just to start your day aligning yourself with that beautiful story before you do anything else and then out of that story then prime your state then having prime your state then go do some cool action rather than just dive into some stuff which is more than likely going to be hampered by a poor state and limited by an old story so, so are you saying the key here is really just to to be consistent with it every day get up have that story in mind no for you well, not even. Like, consistency is a little bit overrated, I think. Um, because it's, you know, we think we have to get this perfect and do it all the time. And if you miss one moment of one day, well, you go back to the start. But, like, the story I tell myself around consistency is, like, uh, most people are never are not doing any of this at all and never will. So if I do this semi-consistently and I do it with 50% effectiveness semi-consistently well that's going to rocket me above most people for the rest of my life <laughs> you know so every single time I'm doing any work on this I'm making more progress than most people ever will mm-hmm. so it just takes the pressure off having to be perfect or do it all the time or be so focused so, and it's, it's still a discipline approach you've got to force yourself and fight yourself to do something you don't really want to do I, I just think uh no, take it easy, be relaxed, uh, enjoy the process, have fun with it, give yourself permission to smell the flowers along the way, make mistakes, get knocked off course, get back on course, get knocked off again, get back on. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think the, the key is to, again, go, this is simple and hard, simple and hard, simple and hard. So wherever it's falling down, Falling down in one of those seven areas, that's, that's the place to hold yourself consistently. I suppose if there's a place to consistency, it's that thought. You know, no situation which fit here. And it just means you're obviously not, there's more work to do in, in one or all of these stages. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cool thing around insecurity is, and when you solve an insecurity problem on your current level of growth, that allows you to succeed and move forward unhindered, which pushes you into success and uncertainty. And so 
uncertainty then causes new levels of insecurity rise ahead. So then it's back to the start and using the same seven things for the next level of growth. It's how you solve the insecurity problem on this level and it's how you'll solve the insecurity problem on the next level and the next level and the next level. You know, rather than feeling like if you see insecurity show up again, it means you've failed or this process doesn't work. It's like, no, it works for where you are now and it'll work for where you are there. But, but there's always more work to do around it because um, new levels of awareness, new levels of growth, new levels of insecurity become apparent as you keep moving forward. Uh, so which of the seven do you think is most relevant to you to do some work in at the moment? Well, I think it's, as we mentioned before, it's definitely the part of finding a compelling enough story that, or vision that, that's as strong a driver as the pain because I default back to the pain. It's easier to yeah. have that painful driver than to, to stick to that. You know, I've, I've, I've had people say to me, find a compelling why. And it's yeah. hard to stick to that when the pain is such a, an easier or better driver. So I think that's, that's the one part. Um, and then uh, it's, Yeah, and that's... Sorry, just on that, like I think um, there's so many times where in a point of frustration or feeling like things are unfair or it's too hard or I can't or this is not working or what's the point, like those kind of really low moments, really painful moments, the only thing that has got me out of those pits of despair is, so what do you want again? Okay, cool. And yeah, what are you going to do about it? It's like, okay. My results are my results. This is my life. Stop waiting for someone to come fix it or do it for me. Whoever said life is fair, uh, you know, it's just there's every reason to give up and every reason what to, to pack it in and not work here. But then you don't get what you want. So it is such an important question, a difficult question, but uh, it is the human question. And um, yeah, I think you're right. There's, there's some work to be done around allowing yourself to dive into that and to really see what would make your heart sing. I, I think a, a bit about that is, is the deserve level issue. Is you know you uh -huh. can get that picture and then it's like you know you've got associations. They say, for example, it's financial abundance, and it's like how I grew up. You know, rich people were not nice people, so the association is negative, and I've identified that, and I've tried to find people who are generous, who are rich, but still, it's almost like that deeper belief is so ingrained in your DNA, and I suppose it's what you would say now, feeling like the victim, like I'm just accepting that that was the story or the association I made with it, but it, it feels like it's a little bit harder to to rewrite that story, to really feel like, okay, you can be um, a financially abundant person and still be a good person. Oh, well, I had the exact same story that was limiting me. We had no examples of good people who were rich people growing up either. And, and so the inadvertent story is, okay, well, money will corrupt you. And so be, be dangerous. So consciously, I think I want more money, but subconsciously, I'm going, no, it's dangerous. You can't have more money, James. Money, money will make you bad. So there's this competing thing and this fear there. So, so you're right. There's, 
it's confronting and challenging, but the point of change for me was to go, okay, so I could blame my parents or I could blame the church I grew up in. I could blame the culture. I could blame rich people. I could blame anyone for that story. But first I go, so what do I want? Well, I've got this dream to build this beautiful house and do this travel and to have this experience of life. I'm going to need a bunch more money than I've got now. And if I stay in this poverty mentality, I don't get anything that I really want in life. Uh, and I love the spiral dynamics model around uh, the levels of consciousness to grow through. And entrepreneurs only level five. I want to make it level six and level seven, which is contribution and statesmanship. So I'm going to need to conquer money if I'm going to be able to actually make a difference in the world. You know, so there's a whole bunch of drivers where I go, yeah, I get that there's this story and there's this fear there, but my deep desire is to go live a beautiful life and a big life. And why is that important for me? And is, and is that okay? And so getting clear around the what do I want doesn't solve the problem it just helps me give it gives me a reason why I need to solve the problem and then I go right now there's someone to do around that story and it's not my parents fault it's not the church's fault it's not God's fault it's not rich people's fault when I was going through that experience as a child I decided it was true I decided that's what it meant because there are a bunch of other people who grew up with the same experience at the same time who didn't come out with that story who have given themselves permission to be rich and good. Yeah, so it's just about changing that story. So how do I change that story? You know, even though like I've done the work, but it still keeps coming up underneath. So how do you get that very deep underneath part changed? Um, so, so how is the, is the low-quality question? It feels like the most important question, but it, it never is. Because if you ask yourself how, how it takes you back in your mind in terms of how you've done this in the past. And if you haven't worked out how to solve it in the past, your subconscious will come back with this answer. I don't know, and it's too hard, and it's impossible. And you get paralysed in the how. And again, this is why level four, have a compelling vision, is so important. Because necessity is the mother of all invention. So when the why becomes big enough, the how takes care of itself. It's just, you know, I'm sure you've heard that line before, and it's easy to throw it out as a cliche, but that's how we create compelling stuff. That's how we solve problems when we must. So the hero always finds a way. That's why they're the hero. The hero if the hero goes, how am I going to do this? Oh, I don't know how I'm going to do it. Well, then that's... Could you imagine any movie you've watched where there's a hero character, and that's the question the hero asks? Like, it's, you're just getting, oh, oh well, oh, well, it didn't work out this time. I didn't, couldn't work it out. Okay, see you, everybody. Catch you next time. Like, that's not the hero story. The hero is, I don't know how, but I'm going to find a way. I have to. There has to be a way. Yeah, so, obviously, you create a how, and there is steps to do, and, and that's why the usefulness of this framework is to go, there is some stages and some important stuff, and you know, specifically the how is just this awareness that you wrote the story, you decided that was true. So you can go back as an adult and make a different decision. That's basically what's happening. How you actually do that, I don't know. I don't know the actual things that are taking place in your brain, your heart, your emotions, your thinking that are actually happening. Um, but I know when they do happen, you set yourself free. That makes a lot of sense. Hmm. Like it's it's like people ask me, how do you listen to yourself? I, go, I don't know how I listen to myself. I don't even know how I listen to my wife. 
Um, but I know that I do, and I know that it's not just about sitting in at the same table when she's talking. I, you know, she's a weird creature. She's a woman. She's emotional. She's, you know, she's different to me. How do I listen? How do I get on the same page? How do I understand what she's saying? I don't know. Um, but I know why it's important. I know why I want to. And so I find a way, even if it means back and forth conversations, even if it means asking some better questions, even if it means reading between the lines, even if it means there's a whole dance of communication that's happening, how do I actually get on the same page? I don't really know, but I know that I do because I know why I want to. Mm. Same with listening to myself. How do you listen to your pain? I don't know how you listen to your pain, but I know why I want to. I know when I do. So I find a way. I find a way to be present and there for myself. And, and the fruit is that the pain stops when I've listened to the intention of it. So I found a way to make it work. That makes a lot of sense. I think we, we go about things the wrong way. Like you were saying, the, your, I can't remember the order, the state strategy. But the point is we, we try and go about it from the wrong end. Um, of the how. Yeah, well, it, well the, for, for sure, the order is important because, yeah, we go strategy, state, story. That's that's the typical way, but it's it's the ineffective way to go the other way, story, straight, state, strategy. That's the way that brings about lasting change. Mm. It makes a lot of sense. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Um, okay, so it feels like you've got a few keys that are that are useful to you in the application of these seven things that are going to give you some next steps to take as a result of this call. Is that right? Yeah. Excellent. So would it be a, an okay place to leave the call or is there anything that would bring this to completion and um, make it really give you what you needed today? No, this was, this was a good place to leave it. Thank you. I've got, I've got clear direction in terms of what I need to do now. Okay. Fantastic. Well, I'm glad you found that useful and uh, love to know what you discover as you hold yourself in this space and go do the epic work of being the hero in your life. Mm, thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, okay, we'll leave the call there and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, Damon. You've been listening to The Insecurity Project. If you're interested in finding out more about dealing with your own insecurity, check out the 30-day online Overcoming Insecurity Bootcamp. It combines high-quality frameworks with one-on-one coaching to help you eradicate the fear of not being good enough and give yourself permission to really flourish in life. For more information, check out jamonfraser.com.au.